BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Large retail and e-commerce companies have made it easy for consumers to buy just about anything and everything online. But there's a new company in Chicago that is helping small businesses compete with the big guys so they can offer the same flexibility and speed of receiving their purchases. La La Move is an app-based, same-day courier service that helps with delivery for small businesses. The goal at La La Move is simple. Help local Chicago small businesses by providing affordable delivery for their customers. La La Move merges the rideshare model with courier services to deliver anything from flowers to furniture and everything in between. Right now, La La Move is offering free delivery for one month. Visit lalamove.com. That's lalamove.com to learn more. Ben show for Thursday, February 4th. It's just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. They are sponsors. The Chicago Federation of Labor. They're sponsors as well. And the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com. Check out Chicago Reader for all things there is to know in the city of Chicago. What to do, where to go, even in a pandemic, and so much more. Like columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the latest follow-up from Ben Jarofsky's column regarding Senator Heather Staines and Kelly Cassidy. Ben's going to be talking about that a little later on. But, Ben, you have a song of the day. Oh. Obviously. Oh. Stop in the name of love by the Supremes. I do you know this song? You, yeah, you, obviously. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do know it? Oh yeah. Oh, you want if you want to sing it, go ahead. No, no. I, it, <laughs> my name is not on the banner, sir. <laughs> All right, here we go. Stop in the name of love. Ding, 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 ding. Before you break my heart. And then I love the part where they go, baby, think it over. And then they go, think it over, baby. I remember when I first heard that, D, I was like, wow, that's so brilliant. Baby, think it over. Think it over, baby. You see what he did? How they flipped the baby from the front to the back. Yeah, did a little baby flip there. Yeah, baby flip. I was like, why can't I think of things like that? I don't know who wrote that song, but it's a brilliant song. And uh, live stream chat room. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but that may be a contender for a song of the day of the year. That was really good, Ben. Good job. You know, I've been really working on my singing, D. I didn't tell you this. Like, uh, at night, I put on my, uh, what is it, Lemon Lulu or Lululemon uh, tights with the see-through bottom. And I do my uh, stretches, my tree pose. Oh, my God. The the vision's in my head right now. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Thursday, February 4th. And live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, the Heartland Mamas return. I repeat, the Heartland Mamas return. 
Heidi Henry and Murray Breel, hosts of the Heartland Mamas podcast. And now your host, not a Heartland Mama, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Marjorie Told Me Thursday. And here's why. Big showdown in Washington yesterday. Republicans at each other's throats. They don't know what to do. On the one hand, you got the MAGA enraged because Congresswoman Liz Cheney voted to impeach President Donnie. How dare she do that? <laughs> On the grounds that he incited a mob to storm the Capitol and overturn the election. Oh, that's how she dared to do that. And on the other hand, you've got one congressman, Adam Kinzinger, who wants to officially delink the party from Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, among other things, has advocated the execution of Democratic politicians she doesn't agree with. Well, sort of. She liked some comments that people put on Facebook, including Nancy Pelosi. Plus, she stalked David Hogg as he walked down the street like she was a maniac. I mean, that was pretty scary stuff every time I watched that. This lady's a congresswoman, and she's not apologized for that? So you could say that Marjorie Taylor Greene was part of the mob before there was a mob. Republicans don't know what to do. On the one hand, they they want to look like a responsible mainstream party. On the other hand, they're under the sway of right-wing lunatics who've turned their brains over to President Donnie. There's no easy way out of this one, ladies and gentlemen. Look, I have no great political love for Congresswoman Liz Cheney, or any Cheney for that matter, or even Adam Kinzinger. But compared to Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're like bastions of common sense. Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, is wetting his pants over this one. He doesn't know which way to go. I'm scared. Too scared to take a stand. So they kind of like split the baby in this one here, okay? They tweeted out all kinds of condemnations of what Marjorie Taylor Greene said, and then they avoided voting to censor her or removing her from her committee. Then they voted to let Liz Cheney keep her ranking as the third highest Republican uh, in the House, even though a whole bunch of them voted against her. And now they're warning Democrats. They're like, now they're turning it into a thing against the Democrats. If you go after Marjorie Taylor Greene, we can go after you. If we take control of the House, we can vote to kick you off of committees and expel you from the Congress. Think about that. And I'd be like, I've been voting Democrat my whole life. But if the Democrats elected Congress people who were signing on to the execution of other Congress people and cheering on the mob as it stormed Congress and stalking normal citizens as they just walk down the street, yeah. I would hope they get voted off of the committees, too. By the way, during the closed meeting with Republicans, Marjorie Taylor Greene offered what the New York Times called a modicum of contrition. (laughs) I love when they use those fancy words. Oh, yeah, that's over my head, huh? (laughs) By the way, you are looking great today. It's like, are you wearing a uh, turtleneck? Oh, no, no, I got my... uh... My face covering uh, here, and you know what I mean. It's around my the neck. Only guy, oh, there you go. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The, the only guy who's gotten better looking uh, in the pandemic is Dennis. You're looking really good. By the way. <laughs> All right. Anyway, didn't mean to go on that tangent. Yeah. I just looked up and noticed. 
He's blushing, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, here we go. This is from <laughs> this is from the New York Times. Ms. Green offered a modicum of contrition in a brief speech, according to two people familiar with the remarks, apologizing for espousing a number of conspiracy theories and emphasizing that she no longer believed in them. She sidestepped the issue of a Facebook post she made in 2018 unearthed by Media Matters for America, suggesting that a devastating wildfire that ravaged California was started by a laser beam from space and controlled by a prominent Jewish banking family with connections to powerful Democrats. Okay, she sidestepped that one, huh? Meanwhile, while voicing what the New York Times calls this modicum of contrition, Marjorie Taylor Greene was declaring martyrdom in the following fundraising email, which I got because somehow or other, Republicans and Tea Party wingnuts think I'm one of them. So here's what she said in her email, along with my explanations and comments. It opens, fellow patriot. Yes, yes, I love it when they call me a patriot. The liberals here in Washington are entirely out of control. No, they're not. They're not the ones storming the Capitol. Quote, they will be holding a vote to expel me from my legislative committees because I dare to stand up for you instead of the Washington elites. End of quote. No, they want to expel you because you sign on to the execution of Congress people, sort of. Plus that whole space laser thing. Quote. Today, they're coming after me to make sure I can't do the job I was elected to do. What will they do if you say something they don't like? End of quote. And my response to that is nothing. They'll do nothing. Right-wing lunatics are saying all kinds of right-wing lunatical things on social media all the time, and nobody does anything about it. <laughs> You're not going to get in trouble unless, like, you're advocating for the execution of a congressperson. Then you might get into a little trouble. I kind of hope you get into trouble for that. But by and large, nobody ever punishes anybody for what they say on Facebook and Twitter. Oh, unless they kick them off. My dear friend Sergio Mims was kicked off Twitter again. Then guess what happens? After about a month or so, if they let you back on... This notion that you're somehow going to be punished for being a right-winger is so ludicrous. Only other right-wingers would believe it. She goes on with more rhetoric, feeling sorry for herself, talking about how AOC and Black Lives Matter get away with murder, etc. and so forth. And finally, she closes with, we need to stick together. Please donate today. Ah, yes. The plea for money. According to what the New York Times wrote, the suckers kicked in the dough. $160,000 raised by uh, the end of the day for her on this fundraising appeal. No contrition anywhere to be found, not even a modicum of it. Just more of the same, feeding the sense of martyrdom so folks keep sending her the change. I don't feel sorry for you Republicans because you're in the pickle here. Michael Cohen warned you. Only bad things can happen when you climb into bed with Trump. We got a great show today, everybody. The Heartland Mamas, as Dennis said, will be here. Heidi Henry, Murray Brill, and Heidi Henry and Murray Brill have a lot to say, among other things, about Adam Kissinger. Uh, Heidi wrote me a very passionate text message not too long ago, D, saying I was too easy on Adam Kissinger. Yeah, so I'm really I agree. <laughs> 
Heidi Dennis wholeheartedly agrees uh, with you. You know, he was just, you know, I don't like Trump, Ben. Oh, I love the guy. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see what Heidi and uh, Murray have to say. They have a whole bunch of things. And they, by the way, they may weigh in from the Heartland on uh, the situation with Lori Lightfoot in the Chicago Public Schools. The Heartland weighs in. I can't wait for that. Uh, Heidi Henry and Murray Briel, two of my favorite people. Heartland Mamas podcast. Uh, both of them ran. Uh, actually, Murray Briel ran D uh, in the 16th Congressional District in the Democratic primary uh, for the honor of running against Adam Kinzinger. So I can't wait to hear uh, what they have to say about Adam Kinzinger, Republicans, Democrats, oh, and Michael Joseph Madigan. Let's discuss uh, what the impact will be of Michael Joseph Madigan no longer being the Speaker of the House. Can't wait to hear what the Heartland Mamas have to say about that before we bring them on. The young man from Alton, who is a Heartland Papa. Whoa. <laughs> I'm not a father. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the man, the Heartland Mamas... Happily call Dr. D with the news. Very excited to hear from the Heartland Mamas. Come on, everybody. Heartland Mamas. Heartland Mamas. Oh, Ben, Steven is back on the live stream chat. We haven't heard from Steven in a while. Come on, Steven. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where's the bottle smash? That was it. Oh, D. Bad news. Hmm. Snowing outside. Yeah. Snowing outside. Yeah, so I need you to focus now. Don't go staring off into the snow. We got to do oh. the local news, okay? Oh, oh, my God. I'm getting hypnotized oh, by the snow. Oh, it's so fluffy and white as it falls from the sky. Oh, I'm feeling very poetic, dude. That's poetic. Oh, very, me. very poetic. You got any more for us? No. No. <laughs> I exhausted my poetry right there. Oh, we're all a little bummed out. And yeah, yeah. So, Ben, please focus. And for the man, I just tell you, I miss you, Suntime Studio. <laughs> I miss you. Yeah, I, was, I, I think I was more focused in the Brightland Studio, don't you think? Did you love it? Let's just take a moment to uh, wax nostalgic about the good old days in that studio. Like, I always have, you know, Dennis knows me so well. He's been working with me for all these years. I always get a little nervous about will the connection happen with the guest? You know what I'm saying? I'm always a little, I'm always a little edgy. Will the guest show up? It's always a little. That's, and then that that's moment, my favorite part of the program, honestly. I love, I love the, uh, you know, the excitement, the tension. I know. It, it is. He does thrive on it. Because it's like, hey, man, if we have to wing it, we have to wing it. Let's yeah. go. And uh, so I always have that little nervousness. Will the guest show up? And in the bright one, they would come to the uh, studio. We'd sit together around a table together. Anyway, that moment when the door would, you'd see the handle turn and the door would open and in walked. It could be the Heartland Mamas driving in from wherever they drive in from. Go, Ben, you should know where it is by now. I know, D, but I get all mixed up, okay? And, you know, it could be, um, who else? Who else could it be? Big Ed Maher. Oh, hey, hey. (laughs) Walk in, open the door, you know what I mean? Maya would walk in, Ramana. My guest has arrived. Monroe was always a little tricky. It was the traffic. Remember, he always complained about the traffic or whatever. But that moment when the door would open and the guest walk in, D, ah, good old day, good times. Yeah, good times. Good times, and hey, those are over. We're now uh, in your attic, and I'm in my apartment. Yeah, well. 
hey, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We begin in Chicago and our coverage of the Chicago mayor and her ongoing dispute with the Chicago Teachers Union continues. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, good afternoon, Madam Mayor. How are you today? <laughs> Now, Ben, maybe it's just me, but today I've been experiencing a little deja vu. Feels like feels like 2019 all over again, because Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot says she has run out of patience with the Chicago Teachers Union and wants a deal on reopening today. Uh, I know, buddy. A fed-up Lightfoot delivered a press conference this morning. And, uh, you know, for those who like sports metaphors... The ball is in the CTU's court. Despite a series of productive exchanges between CPS and the Chicago Teachers Union leadership on Monday and Tuesday, that should absolutely have led to a comprehensive agreement yesterday... We are deeply disappointed to announce that we still have not reached a deal. Yesterday, there were a series of steps backward that were simply not productive, and we have conveyed that problem to the CTU leadership in the strongest terms possible. We waited for hours last night, hours, and still did not receive a proposal from the Chicago Teachers Union leadership. And as of this morning, we are still waiting. But to be clear, not patiently, not anymore. That's it. Mayor's mad. By the way, I'm, I'm, she's talking about we, you know, like the, like a royal we in the pronoun. Did she ever say that she made a call? To the Chicago Teachers Union that she called Jesse Sharkey or, or Stacy Davis. Oh my god, she'll never call Stacy Davis. Never, ever, ever call Stacy Davis. I'm just, you know, in Washington, no matter who the president is, even Trump, even Trump, who viewed himself as an emperor, like when he wanted to negotiate with the other side, he would negotiate with him. So there would be those scenes where, remember, Nancy Pelosi would come to the White House. Remember those days? Ah, the good old days, huh? Or Chuck Schumer would come to the White House. Even Trump. Has Lori Lightfoot reached out? No. Because it's a weird city we have. In the weird city of Chicago, mayors do not recognize teacher union leaders as their equals. It's like a chain of command here and a hierarchy and it, the mayor does not, it, by the way, it's, it wasn't always this way. I remember the good old days, day, oh, more good old days that I'm remembering. This is long before your time. Uh, mayor Richard M. Daly. Wow, I'm waxing. <laughs> I'm waxing nostalgic about Richard M. Daly. Good God. Oh, there's, that's something new. Yeah, I know, that is new. <laughs> no, it's not. You always talk about Daly. Uh, but not, not with as much appreciation as I'm about to say. So, like, in the old days, before he took complete control of the uh, uh, Board of Education, he would act as though he was not a player in a dispute between uh, the head of the Board of Education and the head of the teachers' union. At some point, either uh, after the teachers are gone on strike or just before they go on strike, he would call them all to his office. And he said, what can we do to get a deal here? Let's get a deal here, okay? Everybody was equal. They got to meet the mayor. They were in his office. I'm sure he served coffee. 
he learned this from his father. Richard J. Daly would do this. But now we have this weird thing where the mayor, it, <laughs> the mayor's in, uh, a teammate of the Board of Education. So they speak of in terms of we, but she's too important to actually meet with Stacey Davis Gates or Jesse Sharkey to go because you don't want Jesse Sharkey or Stacey Davis Gates to think that they're the equivalent of a mayor. Mayor's more powerful than them. They meet with the underlings. Now I noticed the mayor went and met with Candace Parker the other day, D. Do you remember that? Candace Parker, the great basketball player who's going to play for the Chicago Sky, born and raised or raised in Naperville. And the, the mayor met with her. So why can't you, Mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, just pretend Jesse Sharkey is Candace Parker. And just maybe that's what it'll take just to meet with them. I don't, I don't, listen, my friends who love Lori Lightfoot tell me, Ben, I'm going to give the other side now, D. Ben, you don't understand. You've been fooled by the Chicago Teachers Union. They're really an evil cabal of lefty lunatics. And they fooled you. They mesmerized you. And now you just speak their mind. You're a robot. I love Stacey Davis Gates. <laughs> that impression catalog just keeps keeps going. That's what they tell me. You don't realize how evil they are. I mean, I got all these teachers calling me, freaking out. You know, ordinary teachers. Don't have a political axe to grind. Don't really follow politics that much. They're like, the water, we don't even have warm water in our school to wash your hands. <laughs> it's like, Lori Lightfoot lives in a universe. And by, it's not, I'm not picking on Lori. I'm, I'm not picking. They live in a universe. It's just so many people like, like they think the Chicago public schools are just insanely run, but beautifully smoothly operating machine. They don't have hot water. They spent $100 million cleaning it. They say, I don't know where they found that $100 million. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah, it's under this newspaper. $100 million, they out of nowhere, cleaning up the schools. And then there's pictures of the dead mouse. Hey, they missed that mouse. Sorry, Jamie, I hate bringing up the, Jay, the, the dead mouse. But I always think about it when they said they cleaned up the school. <laughs> So I don't know, man. She, Lori Lightfoot's mad. She's mad. She could have, I'm surprised she didn't threaten to take their car, D. I'm going to take that car. I'd like to remind everybody we're in the middle of a pandemic. We'll get into this. We've got doctors saying, oh, it's safe. Go back to school. It's, you know, just go back to school already. It's safe. Go back to school. Those, not one of those doctors has ever been in a Chicago public school, I might add. <laughs> Some doctor in Washington. Yeah, in the abstract, go to schools are safer, let's say, than what a bus. By the way, have they started vaccinating the bus drivers yet? I don't think so, right, D? This, don't get me started on the vaccination. It's like I'm not going to name names, Dennis. You will not get me to name names at all. But I'm constantly seeing emails. From people I know who are like, got the vaccine, got it, got it. <laughs> and they all like know somebody, you know what I mean? I'm like, this is generally a person who's like 70 years old or 65 years old or 75 years old who 
will not leave their house under any circumstances. Why are they getting the vaccine ahead of a bus driver, a grocery store worker, a teacher, a teacher's aide? I still don't know why Lori Lightfoot got it ahead of all these others. Really weird system we have for doling out the vaccine. Anyway, D, went on a tangent there. I humbly apologize as I watched the snow fly. By the way, the snow is flying. Are they even going to be able to have us? How much? How many inches of snow are we supposed to have today? Do you know? You're my weather guy. Oh, yeah, I'm the weather guy. Who am I, Trent Ford? No. Um, <laughs> I think they're calling for like maybe five inches. Oh, that, well, I don't know. Five inches could, could be a snow day. So what's the hurry, guys? You can't get to school anyway. And by the way, what, how many percent of the people, of the parents say they're going to send their kids? 20%? We're having all this over 20%. You couldn't figure out a way to somehow or other accommodate, I don't know, the 20% who want to go in, according to what the, the vote was, 20% of the teachers want to go in. You couldn't figure out a way to make some kind of accommodation. Nope. That's not how we do it in Chicago. In Chicago, that's, we give orders. And when you give orders, people follow those orders. That's how you run a school system. Okay, so earlier we heard a sports metaphor from Lori Lightfoot. The ball is in the CTU's court. Hey, why the hell not? How about an airplane metaphor? After 80-plus meetings and going above and beyond to address the CTU leadership's various issues and concerns, we are out of runway. We are out of runway, says the mayor. That's good. I like it. Uh, the speechwriters, they got some poets working there at the Board of Education. Ball is in your court. <clears throat> now, I'm struggling with this one, D. Uh, I believe that, isn't, doesn't that re relate to tennis? I believe it's tennis, yes. Tennis. So that's a tennis metaphor, okay? I, it, my instinct is to always think ball is in your court means basketball because ball, basketball, court, basketball court. My love for the game of basketball. But I believe it's a tennis metaphor, D. By the way, Karen Lewis, uh, the former head of the Chicago Teachers Union, huge tennis fan. Why couldn't Lori Lightfoot reach out to Karen with their love for tennis there, okay? Nah, nah, can't reach out. Can't, tr can't treat the union like <laughs> they're on our level. You're going to go to those 70 to 80 meetings with the HR guy, and you're going to like it. I always like how they throw that out. We've had 80 meetings. You haven't been at any of them. So we're going to make Stacey Davis. I know how we're going to get back at Stacey Davis Gates. We're going to make her go to a meeting with the HR guy. Here. <laughs> then they always like, oh, wow. You have 70 of these people. I'll tell you what, man. We, we, we uh, part of that conversation. Can I promote the show, D? Can I promote Sunday's show? We're going to drop it Sunday. Absolutely. Great conversation we had. Gregory Pratt was there. Gregory knows. Uh, in addition uh, to being an outstanding City Hall reporter for the Chicago Tribune, he's president of the Chicago Tribune Guild. So he's meeting in negotiations with the lawyers for the company. You, he knows what it's like to be in one of those meetings. It's not like walking through a lovely snowy afternoon in Chicago. Okay. It's like. Ooh, let me recite to you the specifics of our healthcare plan. Oh, God. So it's not like, you know, 70, 80 meetings, people in Chicago are, oh, my God. Wow, they've been so nice to those teachers. They've locked them in a room with the HR guy. Oh, <laughs> oh 
my God. What a city, D. What a city I live in. I chose to live here, so I got no one to blame but myself. Yeah, that's all on you. But wait, there's more. These schools are open and safe, and we are ready to welcome our students back. And frankly, they've been ready for some time. All we need now is the CTU leadership to get serious and meet us at the finish line. This week is finals week for our high school students. In support of them and to avoid any further disruption, we extended our cooling high off school. period through the end of the day today, as Friday is a previously set non-attendance day. We've extended ourselves beyond measure out of empathy for our teachers in this very difficult time. And we will continue discussions to address the remaining issues as quickly as possible in our further effort to avoid a catastrophic disruption to our school system. <clears throat> but let me emphasize again that time is running out. Whoa, catastrophic disruption to the school system. It's been disrupted for over a year. It's called a pandemic. Everything's been disrupted. I'm hoping it'll end soon. I'd like to see some of these energies put to putting somehow or other putting pressure on the powers that be that are controlling the distribution of the vaccine. Everybody, it's like it's intolerable that these schools remain closed for another day. This catastrophic disruption. On the other hand, hey, and if all goes well by the end of August, everybody will have the vaccine. Why do we put up with one thing, which is really catastrophically destructive, and denounce the other thing? And by I don't know why she raised the poor high school kids. They're not even part of the go back plan. This is just elementary she's talking about. They haven't even figured out what to do with the high school kids. I really feel, when I think about the disruption of the pandemic on students, I have like, I don't want to say greater empathy for high school students and grammar school kids, but I really feel for high school kids. I think of all those kids who missed out on like the school play for instance, or if you're a basketball player on the basketball season or your football season, or your cross country season, et cetera, and so forth. But they're not even talking about bringing them back. So I don't know, I don't know, she just, hey, everybody makes mistakes. You know what, I'm gonna give her a little break there, D. Everybody makes mistakes. I've been known to make mistakes plenty of times. So she just kind of went off script there. She got all into the whole metaphor with the tennis court and the runway and, I don't know. You know, you figure if it's so important, a phone call to Stacey G Davis Gates, you know, kind of like. Or not, OK, you don't even have to do state. It's Jesse Shirky. Nope. Can't be with him. That wouldn't be right. That wouldn't be mayoral. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm hoping when this thing ends, I'm really hoping that this passion that the powers that be, not just in uh, City Hall, not just in corporate Chicago, but throughout the country, the passion that they're show, suddenly showing for low-income children in big city school systems continues. Wouldn't that be something? If they like use this as an opportunity to really show how committed they are to these school systems, you know, fun programs, they, like tutoring programs, art programs, music programs, summer school programs, really go all out to make sure that that gap between the poor and the rich is closed. 
I've never seen that ever. There's never any money for that. Never, never any uh, energy or desire for that. Only when they could stick it to the teachers union. All of a sudden they care about the inequities that hobble our school system. And what do you have to say about that uh, comment you made there earlier, too, saying that uh, the CTU, uh, they need to get serious. They need to get serious. As if their demands are like bumper cars in the uh, playground or something. You know what I mean? Like, no, they, they seem pretty serious, right? Yeah, they're, they're a very serious bunch. I don't know. It would seem to me uh, that if Lori Lightfoot really wanted to be serious, she would have reached out to the uh, uh, teachers union a long time ago. And again, to promote that show, Gregory Pratt, excellent conversation. We talked about uh, the whole dynamic coming out of the 2019 mayoral election where the, C- the teachers union went in strong for Tony Preckwinkle uh, and the sort of what, that's where we're at now. We're still like at that place. And I, I just feel as though the mayor was victorious in 2019. So she should have reached out. And I don't get the feeling in any way that she did. And uh, so now here we are, we're locked into this. Now, I, Gregory raised a very good point. You know, I shouldn't give away too much of the show, Dave. I should let people, right? Shouldn't I just, just tease? He raised a very good point about what would happen if Tony Preckwinkle had been victorious. Of course, Tony Preckwinkle, Lloyd Life would mop the floor with Tony Preckwinkle. I told you, teachers, you need not to go in strong for Tony, but you didn't listen to me. I sometimes wonder who listens to me less, the teachers union or Lori Lightfoot? Mm, that's a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one. All that great advice D I give to people and they don't listen to me. Anyway, Gregory Pratt, uh, Greg Pratt from the Tribune uh, raises the issue of what would have happened if Tony Prickle had been victorious? And will that give the response? I'm going to make you listen to that show on Sunday. There you go. Available at ChicagoReader.com and wherever else you download podcasts Sunday. All right. That's our first Tuesday special. But wait, there's more. And let me emphasize again, while remote learning works for some, it absolutely doesn't work for everyone. Not by a long shot. And I'm going to keep repeating these numbers and metrics because they are devastating and should have create a sense of urgency in all of us to do the right thing for our kids in this difficult time, black and brown kids who look like me, coming from circumstances like the one that I grew up in, who are struggling and are failing. We are failing those children by not giving them the option to return to school. Failing grades, depression, isolation, and so much more. That is why, that is why we must get a deal done and get it done now without further delay. So let's do it. CTU, let's do it today. Let's get a deal done. Enough is enough. We have everything more than to make that happen today. And we simply can't afford to wait any longer because our children cannot afford to wait any longer. I'm with her 100%. That's what I'm talking about. I'm with her 
And I'll be standing with you, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, when this pandemic is over, as you call for CTU to come in and you call Dick Durbin to come in and Tammy Duckworth and President Biden. We need aid for the city of Chicago. We need to expand our program so we can break down these walls of inequity. I'm with you 100 percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope I hope this plea and this sense of urgency that you're espousing right now at this moment in in the direction of this dispute with the Chicago Teachers Union. I hope it's there when this pandemic passes. I really hope that when this pandemic passes, and I assume it will, that we just don't go back to the way things were. We're like, just in the city of Chicago, if you're from a north side school with a wealthy group of parents, you could raise the money you need to overcome the shortfalls that the school, the school system can't overcome. Whereas poorer schools, I got teachers sending me Facebook requests. Hey, can you kick in a little money? I'm trying to raise some money so I can buy supplies for my kids. I, I, I hope that as a system, system-wide, we confront that. You know, and when the teachers union speaks up for that, I hope they're not told, shut up and take your money and go back into the classroom. I, I really do hope that this is a, a new day. And saying this, I, I'm almost like embarrassed how naive I sound. But every day, Dia, I wake up hoping that like, people will see the light. Our city of Chicago signed on to a development deal of $1.3 billion on an upscale neighborhood, an already gentrifying neighborhood, essentially took that money from the public schools to do that. And now we're told to believe that nothing is more critical than the performance of kids in the, the lowest scoring high poverty schools. It's just what we see and what we hear don't correspond. And I just, for once, would like to see like action that was different than the rhetoric. Would love to see that. So I'm with you 100%, Lori Lightfoot, and I love that passion and I hope it's there in the aftermath when this pandemic's over. Like, I hope we don't go back to the way it was. I hope that urgency remains. All right. And also news here under a tentative agreement reached Wednesday. It says here, according to the Sun-Times, every teacher and staff member at 134 schools in the neighborhoods hardest hit by COVID-19 will be tested for the virus weekly. And the two sides also appeared closer to a deal on a vaccination plan. The resolution of one of the larger disagreements between the district and the union represented progress at the bargaining table. But it was clearly not enough for Lightfoot. Today, the mayor also attended a virtual celebration at 11 a.m. for the new J.P. Morgan Chase branch in the South Shore neighborhood. Oh, that sounds fun, doesn't it, Ben? Yeah, uh, the opening of a bank. Uh, where is it? Does it say where the, the, the bank would be? Uh, it says the South Shore neighborhood. The JP, South Shore. Yeah, South Shore neighborhood. All right, well, good. Uh, good for that opening. But boy, I'll tell you what, just hearing just the thought of negotiating over the distribution of the vaccine just sickens me. I got to say, the it's just like, what a freaking joke. 
you know, uh, I just um, read a book, reread a book, uh, White Tiger, great book, great satirical novel. And one of the lines is where the uh, the narrator comes back and just says, what a fucking joke. That's I'm just literally quoting the OK, I don't like to swear, but that's what they say. And it's just like sometimes I, I hear things and it just I just shake my head. And the reality is, if the Chicago Teachers Union uh, wasn't uh, what as organized as the way they are, if they didn't stand up strong together, if they weren't defiant, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. We just like go back to school. Just <laughs> so what? Twenty percent of the kids would be showing up. Uh, teachers would be doing this bizarre hybrid where they'd be uh, teaching the kids who aren't in the class and teaching the kids who are in the class, and they. Again, part of Sunday's uh, Yana explained all this and Sunday's explanation. What a weird situation they have. So they got these pods, the way the setup will be. So half the kids come in on Monday and Wednesday, uh, and then half the kids come in on Thursday and Friday. And then there's this deep clean on Wednesday where they clean up the classroom. And I'm sitting there listening to that. I'm like, what is that all about? Like, why are you deep cleaning the classroom? Like, this is this, this virus is spread through the air. So, I, I mean, what are you scrubbing the classroom for? Why is that going to be? You're, so you're reassuring the kids who come in in the second pod that any germs that are lingering in the classroom won't be there? Well, guess what? They've already infected the teacher. If there were germs in the classroom, right? just like, but that's the way the system, it, it would be a form of irrationality, illogic, but because of the teacher's union, has this ability to stand up for its members. We're not back in the classroom. And it's like the city of Chicago, that's I think D that really upsets them, that a group of workers would have the power to tell the leaders of the city, no. I think ultimately that's what really irritates people in this town. I don't think it has anything to do with the inequities between poor and rich in the public schools, because those inequities exist year after year after year, and nobody did, nobody did anything about it during the Rom years, when he was doling out money for upscale development and gentrifying neighborhoods. No one, the daily years, I, that inequity has existed as long as I can remember. And I remember a long, long time. <laughs> nobody seemed too urgent to deal with it, only now. And by, by the way, guarantee you, as when this pandemic's over, and it, which I presume it will be, I've got to hope that eventually uh, vaccines uh, will be delivered to everybody. Uh, people are back, kids are back in the classrooms. You won't hear any talk from the powers that be about the inequities in our public schools. It'll only be some lefty up in an attic overlooking an alley filling with snow. Like that filling with snow, D? Very poetic. It's filling with snow. Hey, let's open those schools today. Get back to that school right now. The kid's a little kid is walking down a snow-filled street. By the way, I love that cooling off period. I don't know. D, I know you think I'm a cynic. But when they had that cooling off period right in the middle, right? Like just coincidentally after the snowstorm. And there was a part of me. Hey. I feel the inner Chicagoan coming out of me. I'm not even from this city, but here so long. Ugh. I think it was because they couldn't figure out a way to open those schools in the middle of a snowstorm. I don't know, D. Maybe I'm too cynical. 
I've been too cynical hanging around this city so long. Dude, I was so, what, fresh and hopeful and optimistic before I came to this town. Oh, what an awful podcast that would be. Optimistic, <laughs> fresh. No one wants to hear that. We like this, what you got going on now, you know? <laughs> Guy in his I'm attic. Lost. I don't know, Dave. What do you think? Can you open the schools? It is really snowing out there. Let's open those schools. <laughs> Get those. Only 20% right now say they're going back, even if it was sunshiny and blue sky. I wonder how many will show up in the middle of the snowstorm. It's very important we open those schools, particularly in the middle of a snowstorm. Okay, we're about to let live stream chat listener Radio Doogie have the floor on the Ben Jarofsky show for quite some time here. Because first, he waited on the live stream chat. Uh, he says, wait, didn't the city just cancel the St. Patrick's Day parade due to corona? But that's outdoors. Will pride be canceled this year? What about the taste? Is the lakefront open? The risk of spreading is more indoors. But it's okay to open schools? Completely double standards. Yeah, Listen, we've been, thank you, Radio. We've been grappling with this since the get go. I mean, all right. Admittedly, most people go, the science. I don't even pretend to know science. I barely passed science when I was in high school. And it was only because my teachers were merciful to me. Now, Dennis was a little better at science than I was. So he's a little more knowledgeable. Hmm, really? <laughs> uh, so I don't pretend to know science. I just know that on the face of it, it does. It does seem like a giant mixed message. And by the way, the, one of the they just I a warning against Super Bowl parties. See that, D? I won't be able to my beloved uh, Super Bowl. Every Super Bowl, I would go over to my dear friend Cap's house. He would cook up. Oh, my God. D, it would be a feast. Chicken and uh, steak and the grill would be going and all the fellas would be there. We watched the Super Bowls, one of the highlights of the year. Uh, and um, won't be doing that because, <laughs> you know, I kind of take serious the notion that this virus is potentially deadly. Uh, and I don't want to do anything that would, you know, endanger someone, myself included. So I'm with you. Doogie, uh, they, uh, they canceled the uh, St. Patrick's Day parade because they didn't think it would be a good idea, but uh, apparently they think it's a good idea to open the schools. They still have virtual city council meetings. That's a point Michael Girardi's brought up. Yeah, yeah, they still have. Uh, <laughs> Got to protect those aldermen. But teachers, get in your classroom and get in there now. So that was the comment from Radio Doogie on the live stream chat. But Ben, Doogie also left us a voicemail. We've gotten quite a bit of snow here in Chicago, and it's snowing like crazy at the moment as well. So you know what that means. It's dib season in Chicago, <laughs> where people channel their inner redneck and throw random items that they own out in the middle of the road to claim the parking spot they spent so much time shoveling. Not a good look, guys. But hey, here's live stream chat listener Doogie's voicemail with more on dibs. You know, I don't know if we co uh, covered this topic or not. But, you know, it's dibs time. It's time for parking dibs. You know, we just got three feet of snow, and it took me three hours to unbury my truck. Now, you better not remove my chair 
<laughs> a wicker basket, my kid's rocking chair, a rocking horse, whatever I put there, you better not, better not move that. That's my spot. Are we going to get to boxing? Dibs, fool. Dibs, fool. Thank you, Radio Dookie. Dibs, what was the last word? He said, Dibs, fool. Oh, Dibs, fool. Well, Dan, you know, I'm not allowed to duck and dodge the challenging issues of the day, you know? You know that, too, right? I, 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 so I've been thinking about, I, did we have this conversation? My memory is really slim. I can't, I, I talked to so many different people in the course of the day, I can't remember who I met, had this conversation with. It may have been Dennis about dibs. And I would say, like, from my attitude about dibs was, yeah, it looks so tacky to have those chairs out there in the street. But on the other hand, D, Let's be honest. I have a garage. My car's in the garage. My car probably in the garage for another month. Uh, I'm not going anywhere anyway. I'll walk to the grocery store. So uh, it's easy for me to denounce dibs. So I have, I'm, I'm D, I'm coming on, I'm coming aboard. I believe that Doogie has a constitutional right to put his kid's rocking chair out in front of his house or wherever he puts it to uh, preserve that space that he dug out yes but you know what i do that just i just want to make this point not because it's like a chicago thing to do because that really annoys me the chicago thing when we do don't root for the cubs if you live in the south side roosevelt ah, it's a chicago thing so i'm not for it for that reason i'm just for it because it makes sense so there i'm with you 100 percent doogie on the dibs thing <laughs> Doogie on the dibs thing. Once again, thank you, uh, Doogie. Hey, be like Doogie. Reach out to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Send us a voicemail, 708-658-4788. I mean, we'll more than likely play it like we just did there with Doogie's voicemail, especially Dibs voicemails. That was awesome. All right, so now we move on to more city news. One more piece of city news here. Shout out to the Chicago Sun-Times and Stefano Esposito. Stefano put out a great investigative piece on the habits of those in Chicago commuting on the CTA during the pandemic. And, well, here's what Stefano Esposito learned. The mask mandate on public transit is not always followed or enforced in Chicago. Stefano apparently took the L and went to work. Uh, He documented his journey. Uh, now, Ben's going to be weighing in with uh, his thoughts on this. I know we wanted to riff on it, but uh, I just want to talk about one specific encounter that uh, Stefano Esposito had. It's the very uh, top of the, the story here. Esposito said he noticed a man who boarded the train at the Wilson Red Line stop not wearing a mask, not even one slung loosely around his neck. <laughs> Apparently... <laughs> Apparently, this person paid no attention to social distancing rules on the train, holding onto a pole and standing less than six feet from another masked passenger. His behavior drew anxious stares from other passengers. And according to this story here, the unmasked man said at one point, Hey, why are you staring at me? I can see you staring at me. The man was one of several passengers seen not wearing a mask during an hour-long trip from the Howard Street Station to downtown this week, despite the ubiquitous signs reminding riders to do so, per Governor J.B. Pritzker's executive order. Uh, Ben, uh, I haven't asked you this in a while. Have you rode uh, the CTA, a bus, train, or anything uh, yet since the pandemic? Oh, no. 
Still. I'm telling you, man. I uh, I know you took a, I'm pretty sure you took a train once. I think I remember you telling me about yeah. it. Uh, no, I've not. I remember the last time I took that train, it was when we were still at the studio. I believe our last day in the studio was a Tuesday. And um, I took that train that Friday, I want to say. I don't know. I, I, re- I remember being in the train and being so scared. People were coughing. Uh, and you know what I'm saying? Oh, there comes the fire. And I don't know if I had a mask then. I don't think I had a mask. But uh, yeah, I haven't done it since that would have been February, right? D? Or no, March. Can't remember now. Suddenly the, the uh, no, March would have been March. Um, so no, I read this, uh, this story. It's a great story. Uh, Stefano Esposito, great job. Uh, uh, and I- Isabel Saraf, uh, there was double byline. So I want to give her a shout out as well. Uh, great story. Sometimes uh, writers with no masks rarely taken to task. Hey, someone's feeling a little poetic there, D. I didn't notice that. Oh, that headline writer. You know? Hey, Stefan! Oh, the headline writer. Hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> snaps, man. Writers with no masks rarely taken to task. Uh, but yeah, the dude gets mad at him. Like, you staring at me? Huh? You looking at me? I'm like, whoa, man! People are weird. Just read this article, uh, and uh, yeah, just brought home why I don't go on the trains. I don't go anywhere, but I'm lucky. I get to do this show. I get to do my job without it leaving my house. I'm very fortunate that. And I, I think that in general, during a pandemic, we should limit the number of people who have to leave their house. You know what I mean? So we have to think long and hard about what is really an essential worker. Uh, I was just talking, who was I talking to? Another person I was talking to the other day, a big time lawyer. Oh, yes, I know who it was. A big time lawyer working, saying that uh, he's as busy as ever, but never leaves his house. Doesn't go downtown uh, to his law office. Got this beautiful law office, downtown Chicago, but doesn't go. Uh, to that law office, everything is done from the house. So limiting uh, the definition of what is an essential worker in the middle of a pandemic is a good idea because D, you can't, there's just no way to accommodate. That's what this story really brought home. The behavior of individuals, you can't depend on other people to do the right thing. It was so obvious when I read this story, like this guy's defiant, why are you staring at me? Well, cause you're not wearing a mask. And then there's the people, they also talk about this in the story who like don't, wear the mask the right way. It's like a pet peeve of mine when I watch a basketball game. You know what I'm saying? It's like, or a football game, it's more than a football game, where they the mask is not over their nose. It's like, dude, duh, you know you could be spreading it because you're not covering your nose. You know that, don't you, right? Then I get the mask going over my mouth. And then the guy like, like who has the mask, it's not even over his chin. So it's, it's just sort of like keeping his neck warm. It's not a neck warmer, it's a mask. Or how about when, uh, like, Steve Kerr, the coach of the, the Warriors, feels compelled to talk to the ref. He's wearing a mask. He pulls the mask down and yells at the ref. Uh, <laughs> what? Why, why even bother? But, yeah, so you got people on the train, some half wearing a mask. I'll just... And then the lady, I don't know if you saw this at the end, uh, she wants to smoke a cigarette. So uh, hidden behind a billboard, one rider moved her mask below her chin to speak on a phone while another nearby did the same to smoke. Hey, that's supposed to smoke either for that matter. But yeah, I think this article can be uh, called Stefano rides the train for the first time ever. Like <laughs> always goes on, dude. <laughs> How about the 
dude who just lights up while you're on the train. You know what I mean? Oh, that yeah. Guy, yeah. Yeah, smoking. What of it? Huh? <laughs> I don't believe it. Rules, schmurls. <laughs> okay. All right. I had a weird dream. Can you if I can share this with you? Where I was on an airplane and somebody lit up a cigarette. I don't know. What's that dream all about? Help me. Help me interpret this dream. And the guy was like, yeah, I'll smoke my cigarette. What are you going to do about it? And really, what could I do about it? You know, it's like a weird dream. I don't know what it all means. And then I woke up and I saw this article by Stefano. (laughs) That's a great article. A great article. I want to give it sometimes credit. Stefano and Isabel did a great job. Just pointing out, by the way, there was also this headline I saw. I didn't tell you about this, Steve. This headline, uh, it was in the Washington Post. I didn't even read the story. But the headline was, uh, Iowa Speaker of the House, the Republican, uh, says he can't enforce ban on masks in the House, but enforce one on blue jeans. <laughs> I'm like, what? In that, in, like, what about the liberty rights of people who want to wear blue jeans? Don't we have liberty and freedom to wear blue jeans if we want to? Yeah. Huh? You can't wear jeans because that would violate our decorum. But we do not have the right to keep you from wearing a mask, which would protect our lives. Oh, they see the logic in that one right now. <laughs> anyway, great, great article by Stefano Esposito and Isabel Seraf. Oh, man, that was awesome. Uh, I don't know. Any uh, any other dreams that you've had recently that you'd like to share with us? Uh, were, no, that's that's the one. I, and, you know, I just I don't know what to make of it. Like, it's kind of a weird dream. I don't know. One day, D, will I ever go back in an airplane? They got me so terrified right now of the pandemic. They've done a good job. Uh, so that's why I'm part of the reason why I'm so sympathetic to teachers. And the other part is, let's be honest. And I'm just going to, more honesty, it'll get me nowhere. You know, I just, I don't know. D, part of me just likes it when somebody says, you got to do something. And then other people have the right to say, well, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Can we talk about this? You know, I suppose in the real world, if you need order, the mayor reserves the right. She has to issue an order and a command and it should be followed. That's an orderly society. But I don't know. Sometimes it just seems it's good to have people in power have to make accommodations for people who are not in power. By the way, uh, I've rode the train quite a few times now, um, the brown line. Haven't rode the red line or any other lines, just the brown line. And I have not rode the bus since March. So I really feel for bus drivers. No kidding. If, if I mean, I've felt for them from the get-go. I feel that they're at the top of the list. I do not understand why every single bus driver in America has not been vaccinated. That's just inexcusable. In my humble opinion, I mean that's a freaking petri dish right there, and uh, and then, then the argument. I think it was uh, Monroe. I, I'm really open to people coming up with arguments to try to open my mind and maybe see 
the validity of the city's position with the schools. Monroe countered yesterday uh, an argument he heard from Michael Bloomberg, of all people. I'm pretty, I'll bet you anything, D has already been vaccinated. Uh, Michael Bloomberg is like, well, bus drivers are exposed, so let's expose teachers. The logic of that, I don't know. Let's just expose more people to this virus. Well, then bus drivers. Yeah, why aren't they? Been, why weren't they vaccinated in December? What? Why? Why are they vaccinating legislators ahead of bus drivers? Why are governors and mayors getting it ahead of bus drivers? or grocery store workers, or any essential employee. I don't understand it, D. Well, all right, everybody, that's our local news. We want to remind everybody before we go to break here, uh, if you've yet to check it out, you got to listen to Mr. Bike. But now, I mean, we're... I don't think he likes it, but he's Mr. City Council, all right? He gave us a City Council wow. synopsis, ran through uh, the January City Council meeting that went down. Mr. Bike, Dave Glowatz, uh, did a fantastic job, as always, provided tons of audio. Uh, if you want to know exactly what went down, all right, on the City Council meeting that went down in January, you got to check it out. It's available for download now at chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download podcasts. Ben, you always have a great time talking with uh, Dave Glowatz. I love Dave Glowatz. Uh, he's he. I mean, this this dude, the patience he has to go through the uh, city council hearings and meetings and and take out uh, the uh, portions that are really relevant. He's got great uh, sense of what's relevant, uh, and uh, does such a great job. And he comes on the show, very generous with his time, uh, and directs Dennis to play the appropriate uh, clip, and then we ref. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite um, segments that we do. One of my favorite episodes. Uh, so yes, uh, D, that was really nice of you to give that shout out to Dave Glowatz and folks. Check it out. All it's right. Looks like yesterday. we have someone on the Google Meet. Let's see who it is. It's Heidi Henry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I told Murray. I said I'm gonna go get some caffeine. And as soon as I do, I will get the invite. <laughs> That's how it goes, right? <laughs> All right. So, D, should we take a little break and bring uh, Heidi and uh, Maria on? What do you say? Absolutely. Everybody, we're going to uh, take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break here. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, so much more. Over 900 episodes for you to download at chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download podcasts. Go check out that City Council Synopsis. Fantastic podcast, if you ask me. Uh, you can also reach out to the Ben Jarofsky show at Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email, Benny show at gmail.com and once again call us like doogie did 708-658-4788 the bendrovsky show will return after this 